We're on Hollywood Boulevard. Here we are. And I mean, crazy. It's March of 2022. We're like, how did that happen? But here we are. Here we are. It's March. Here we are. Oh, so what do you have this week? So um, I wanted to talk about a couple things that I have seen recently. And if you guys are listening to our sibling podcast back on the block, then you'll know that I've kind of been negative on the way the, the recent uh, seasons have been going. But um, but I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm going to be nicer on, on this podcast. Yay! Um, so where can I start? I guess I'll start at the movies. I went to the movies. Uh, fifth time I've gone to the movie theater in two years. But I mean, that's really in three months because that's when we started going back. And our record is five for five. Each of the movies we have seen on the big screen has been worth it. One of the best things we have seen this year. So, uh, so you're picking wisely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You're We're making it, making it worthwhile for sure. So I have a recommendation. Well, what know, is it? I don't know how um, many screens it's playing in, across the country, but we saw a movie called, and I think you'll like this title, the worst person in the world. I love the title. Who is the worst what? person in the world? Well, it's kind of a cheat because our main character is a protagonist in Norway named Julie. It's a Norwegian film. Um, but she's not really the worst person in the world. She's not even really close. She's just flawed. She's just like self-absorbed and then kind of self-sabotaging. But um the this this work and it's kind of structured as almost like a thesis told in 12 chapters with a uh, prologue and an epilogue we see her sort of go through a pivotal time in her life um she's late 20s early 30s and sort of jumps from one profession to another she's in med school and then she changes to study psychology and then she changes to um become a photographer and she's changing boyfriends almost as quickly as as she does career paths. And uh, then she saddles up with one man who's like 15 years her senior, uh, uh, kind of an intellectual cartoonist. Um, And we follow this relationship. um, and, and, And even this relationship, while deep, is not without flaw we start to see her flirt with another man who comes into her orbit and the movie sort of follows her and these two men from there um through the end so i don't want to say anything more i don't want to spoil too much more of the plot uh and i don't think i've given away too much um but the movie is also really about more than what the plot is about you know it's about you know like finding the things that matter to you and being you know mm, true to yourself is is a hokey way of putting it, but it is kind of finding a way to 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 live your truth and know what it is you want and be honest with yourself. Um, and we sort of see how she's been influenced by the uh, like the broken relationships she has seen, including her her divorced parents, that sort of thing. Um, it's it's smart and easy to watch in a way that I hate to say it, but like only the Europeans really do right. Um, like if they were to remake this movie in the States, they would, they would cast it with actors that were far less natural and the adaptation would probably have 
clunkier, more obvious dialogue and and scene structure. Uh, it would be more of a rom com than a. <laughs> it, you know, and it would, it would because you know we'd have we turn this from like a cultured woman who makes some very human and recognizable mistakes to being something that's more telegraphed where the woman is always like, you know, like drinking lots of wine and shoving like frozen pop tarts in her mouth at 2 AM because that's how we show like imperfection in American things. Um, And, and the men would either be, you know, like perfectly bearded or like completely hairless gym chiseled <laughs> bodies like like they would be it would just be so so mannequin-y uh as opposed to natural and that, so yes that is my general observation of the difference between the way europeans and, and americans tell stories and and cast actors um but but far be it for me to to detract from the conversation which is the worst person in the world is truly one of the best films of the year it's a nominee for foreign film and in a coup an original screenplay nominee as well at this month's oscars uh it's probably my pick for best foreign language film it certainly would be in in my ranking of the best overall pictures of the year as well i cannot pronounce i think properly the name of the lead actress who plays julie renata Renzve is the way i will butcher it uh, R-E-I-N-S-V-E, I believe is how you spell her last name. Um, and then as the primary boyfriend, Axel, uh, an actor named Anders Danielson Lee um, is superb. Oh, He's yeah. He's giving one of the great performances of the year. Uh, he has worked with this director before, as has Renato Renzve. Um, Joaquim Trier, who was one of like the great 21st century voices to, to come out of Scandinavia, if not all of the continent. Um, you know, and he's he's got a very observational style. It mixes, you know, like casual humor with with bigger dramatic subject matter really, really seamlessly. Um, and it doesn't hit you over the head with anything. It, the movie just just is and is almost entirely non-judgmental. I mean, the mm-hmm. only thing approaching a flaw I would say I could find with this is I think the first half of the movie does have narration and then all of a sudden the narration disappears. But uh, I didn't okay. miss it. I just, you know, I'm pointing it out because, you know, structurally it may not be perfect. Um, but but yeah, I, I just, I loved it. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to check out this guy's work. Yeah, you should. I don't know if anything is streaming anywhere of his. Okay. But he had a big deal movie about 10 years ago with um Oslo August 31. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. I should do I should memorize my research better. He's a voice oh. and a and a name that I've watched and and read about of course over the decades and now that i'm here on the podcast i'm like what was it called what was that movie i really liked (laughs) yeah that's my life that that is my life Uh, yeah and i know i'm just i know i'm just stepping into it even more but um yeah so worth seeing the worst person in the world and the movie is nowhere near as dramatic as that title is because i find i i actually really enjoy scandinavian movies 
um, and TV. So um, I need to start paying a little bit more attention. Uh, yeah, I have always loved, I love Eastern European cinema. I love Scandinavian film. Um, at some point in the future, I could probably do a deeper dive and, and send out some recommendations. I'm also happy to just put that up on our Facebook page now that I think about it. So if you guys Yay. are looking for recommendations and trying to be a little artsy, uh, uh, really, really happy to, to do it. Um, but yeah, and I think the greatest filmmaker dead or alive in the history of the world is the Swedish Ingmar Bergman. So there is also that. There we go. Well, speaking of Scandinavia. Yes. I'm going to set, I'm going to do a segue. Is that cool? I love it. I love it. I love it. When we, when we always call out our segues, why be seamless when we can show the scenes? (laughs) Speaking of Scandinavia, um, I (laughs) was watching young Wallander. Yeah, so so tell me more because I've only seen old Wallander. You've you... only seen old Wallander. So okay, so Wallander is a Scandinavian detective no- novel, if I am not mistaken, um, and it was originally adapted by the BBC. It was by BBC. It was British, though, right? I think. Well, it was Kenneth Branagh was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the Kenneth Branagh ones. That's the quote unquote old. Um, Wallander yes. I was talking about. I don't know the if it was old BBC Wallander. or not, but I definitely saw it on Masterpiece here. So I don't know where yeah. they got it from. Right. Um, so Young Wallander, which I thought was going to be a prequel to Old Wallander, but it's not. It's just they decided to do Wallander, but with a young guy. So. <laughs> oh, I see. So can I just pause there? Have you seen yeah. or anything about the new Reacher series on... <gasps> I guess Amazon, I right? watched it on Amazon oh, and I loved it. So is he younger than Tom Cruise or he's just more appropriately cast physically? In this he movie? is definitely more appropriately cast physically. Um, he's definitely younger than Tom Cruise. I mean, Tom Cruise is fucking old. I like, I yeah, think I that mean, that's we should the... all look like him, but yeah, I know we should all look like him at that age, but he's like 60. Yeah. Or close to it. I think, and, I think this year he turned 60. Yeah. And Jack Reacher is not 22 but he's certainly not 60 you know do you know and, what i mean yeah and he's also like what like nine feet tall i mean yeah he's, he's like a million feet like, tall yeah, yeah, yeah he's like he's just supposed to be this really big hulking guy and that's not tom cruise and i just thought that you know i i read the book obviously because lee child and i can't say i was enamored with the book i can see why it, it's a very masculine if that it, it, book yeah, yeah, yeah. um and written in a very like spare masculine way, which is not exactly my thing. Um, but it was it was good, you know. I don't think that I would I'm running out to like watch like, you know, buy another Lee Child book, but I was curious mm. about the Tom Cruise movie because I did like it enough and I just thought that Tom Cruise's Reacher and everything that they did with it just wasn't very good. And they completely redeemed the book with the series. Um it was absolutely wonderful. So, you know, two thumbs up for me with that series and the guy playing Reacher, even though hilariously in a way Tom Cruise almost played a better Reacher because he was so unlikable. Um but that's kind of not the point of movies. Like you can have an unlikable antihero 
in a book and have people root for them. But in it, it feels like an unlikable anti-hero in a movie doesn't quite work the same. You can have the anti-hero, but he needs to be likable. Do, do you, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Um, and so the, the actor that is playing um, Reacher in this is able to be the anti-hero, but then also be completely and utterly likable. And you're just rooting, rooting for him from the start. Which I did not get with Tom Cruise was not rooting for him. So, um, wow, that was a sec. That was, a, but I digress. But I digress. You digress. No more Greg. Um, yeah. Well, so we've just given a review of Reacher. That's great. But we can talk about <laughs> Young Wallander. But Young Wallander. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't say I liked it as much as Old Wallander, but I liked it. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if this came. This is it, it's in English, but it has mostly I think Scandinavian actors. So like Adam Paulson is one of the actors who's in it. Um, he plays Wallander, and I don't really know where he's from, but I'm a, but it he's got some scan like he's clearly he's clearly Scandinavian, and. I don't know that there are, I, I can't say like, I was like, well, that's an English actor. Like, I don't know that there was, well, here's one from Liverpool. It seemed to be like a mix of mm. Scandinavian and British actors. Um, So I don't think it was technically a Scandinavian series, but it definitely where old Wallander felt like it was set in sort of like the English countryside. This was clearly set in Sweden this was so I think it hewed closer to the books, even right. though I actually haven't read them. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't dislike it. I did um, kind of halfway through the series, kind of guess the mystery, which was fine, I suppose. You know, because especially for me, where I don't really care if I know the end before the end. Um, cause I still want to see how we're getting there, but I know for some people who want it to be like a mystery, like they don't want to know, like they want to be surprised. Like you're going to figure it out by like halfway through, you're going to figure out the whodunit. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, but that didn't, that didn't deter from, from my enjoyment. No. And you know, it reminds me of the prime suspect series, uh, that Helen Mirren did, which is very often you were introduced to the culprit early in, but it was all the machinations it took to either prove it or arrest them or whatever. And it was, you know, in the journey of getting there that the story took off. Right. Right. Um, but you know, and like I said, I was a little bit disappointed that it was, I thought we were getting a prequel and we're just getting it's. You wanted Muppet babies. Yeah. Yeah. But instead we're getting like, we just wanted to cast this with young, beautiful people. Right. Which I guess is fine. <laughs> so, but apparently the t- we're two seasons in. I thought I had known it was coming, and I guess I missed it when it showed up. Um, well, I sort of knew that it had happened, but I didn't hear much fanfare around it for season one. For season two, now I definitely heard a lot. Right. So, so like I said, yeah, because I was like, oh, they finally aired it, and then all of a sudden we finished the first season, and I was like, bummer, it's over. And Anthony was like, no, there's a second season. I was like, wait, what? How did that happen? So yeah, apparently I blinked and did miss it the first time around, and now it is back. We were all blinking a lot last year. Yeah, I think so. A so, 
That was Scandinavia. Well, cool. That still sounds like a worthy trip. Oh, yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, definitely, if you're, like, looking for shit to stream, it's good. It's not the worst thing. Not the worst thing. Well, that's a start. Yeah, (laughs) it's not the worst thing. From the worst person in the world to not the worst thing. These worsts are not so bad. Um, And the next thing that I have is not so bad either. Though it's a show that has since closed. So there may be more life for it, but you can't go out and see it now. But I did see the off-Broadway musical adaptation of Black No More. Which is was a new group show and is based on a 1930s novel by George Schuyler. A satirical novel. I think I hear you breathing. Are you about to say something? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I just was breathing. No, don't apologize (laughs) for the breathing. Um, uh, So uh, this is kind of like a big amalgam of uh, styles to tell this semi-satirical, semi-heart-on-its-sleeve story about Mm -hmm. uh, this kind of nefarious scientist doctor who creates a decolorizing machine that can turn black people into white people which is what happens to the the lead of this show he undergoes this procedure and then is seen as white by everyone he encounters and he goes from harlem to the south he goes to atlanta where he ends up marrying into uh this prosperous white southern family the patriarch is a reverend um and it's what what ensues based on these sacrifices that have been made. Um, and so it's a tricky thing to dramatize on stage because you're not able to use special effects. Um, so what happens is uh, you have Black actors who will still look black, obviously, after their characters undergo this transformation. They don't try and do anything cheap, like with makeups or costumes, makeup right. or costumes. Um, it all has to rely on their performance. So they're very lucky that the leading actor that they had, uh, a really well-known Broadway performer named Brandon Victor Dixon, is able to so subtly and completely convey those physical changes um just based on his own attitude and gestures and rhythms Mm -hmm. uh it's 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 quite an impressive trick uh that he's able to do and and he's great um i ended up really liking the show towards the end of its two-act run i think it starts to get a little heavy-handed um but i was with it um there's actually a lot of, of terrific actors throughout um Jennifer Damiano, Howard McGillen, um, uh, Tracy Shane, who is the widow of Peter Scolari, um, sadly. Um, I mean, like, terrific, terrific actors. Uh, another Broadway stalwart, Lilius White. Um, I mean, this is this is a really terrific cast. Tamika Lawrence is a standout as the friend of our main character back from Harlem. Um, and the, the music is by Tariq Trotter of The Roots, um, and, and the, and the lyrics too. And he also plays the, the Crooked Doctor, Dr. Crookman, I think is his name, Junius Crookman. Um, and the music is great. The music is varied. There is gospel, there is Harlem jazz, there's, um, 
there's plenty of hip hop and spoken word. Uh, there's there's like you know old style Tin Pan Alley type of early generation music throughout. There's almost too much stylistically. It almost seems to be biting off more than can actually come together. Okay. Um, but except for maybe one or two songs, I really loved the whole soundtrack. I thought this was a great ride. Uh, really loved the journey the show took me on. And I should say it's based on a novel from 1930s, uh, but it has been adapted by John Ridley, who is the writer of 12 Years a Slave. Right. Um, so, yeah, I imagine there'll be a future for this somewhere, whether it's my town or yours or, or another one. Um, yeah. I hope so. I, I heard, um, I actually heard uh, Tariq Trotter on NPR doing an interview about it. And I have to say, it sound actually thought it sounded really fascinating and really interesting and really good. Um, you know, and he was particularly talking about how uh, director Scott Elliott was sort of like, you know, weighing the like do we put the actors in white face to trans and then ultimately decided that it was actually way more powerful to sort of have actors who remained you know who who remained looking black play white and you know and do this as the and it just sounded it actually sounded so fascinating and so interesting and i was like i really wish i could see that yeah because what it really means is you are still looking at them and seeing who they are on the inside Exactly. It, shows, exactly. it comes to us on the outside. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I think Scott Elliott like runs hot and cold directorial vision. I'm wise. sure plenty of people would agree with that. Yes. Um, but I think, I think for the most part, it, it really works this time around. He's got like a 24, 25 person cast. Um, it's a massive cast. Who, and th- that, uh, that he's able to traffic around quite well. Also, the famous choreographer, Bill T. Jones, does the choreographer here. I mean, there are some big names. New group. Well, yeah. Big names. There, there's some serious heavy duty talent uh, and just from every angle here. So uh, uh, after the fact, a, <laughs> you know, a very complimentary review for black no more glad i was able to get in there before it closed um and i do hope other people get a chance to see it as well yeah i mean i don't know if it if it has its eyes on broadway it probably won't come regional for a while but yeah i um, think so you know but if it does go to broadway um hopefully i'll be able to swing in to see that because that it's, it's one of those that i was like that sounds really really good and i think that they were playing some of the music and it doesn't oh, yeah, sound musically you know, like it, it like it was no, like, like okay, I would dig this. That, yeah. If you hear yeah. that with your eyes closed, I don't really think you're going to conjure up. Oh, show tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I have a problem with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. I mean, for me, I kind of am, uh, you know, I, I grew up on that, but I know a lot of other people don't. And so this is not one of those old fashioned sounding um, cast recordings. Yeah. So. I hope there is a cast recording, in fact. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. I would like to hear more of the music. Yeah. So so just putting that out there in the world. Yeah. I think that does it for us today. I will have more film things to say in the coming weeks as the Oscars get nearer. Um, I'm bored and impatient with, with the overall lot this year, but there are a couple nominees that I haven't yet spoken about, so I should um, plop those in. Um, just a... 
just to throw it out there, since the SAG Awards happened, and did Succession only get Best Ensemble, or did they get more? No, no, you were right. It only, I mean only, it still won the Ensemble Award. Um, Believe it or not, three of the men were all nominated in the same category. So Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, and our boy Kieran. Um, But Squid Game ended up winning for lead actor and actress. Which is to us, we thought, well, then it's definitely going to win for its ensemble as well, which was nominated. But the ensemble of Squid Game did lose to Succession. Um, I just oh, think if you're going to nominate and, and vote for the two leads, then that must mean that the group as a whole was also taken in by the ensemble. Um, but I guess not. Alyssa brings up a very good point about that, which is, and this is true for for other works that in foreign languages. So if you're voting for a performance, but you listened, watched a dubbed version, how much can you really evaluate? Oh, that's a good point. And also when you nominate a foreign language film for screenplay, are you reading it in its foreign language or are you reading someone else's adaptation? Trans- adaptation of it. The, and yeah, so translation, really translation, yeah. yeah, the translation. So, so who gets the credit on the translation? That's a really interesting question. I think, yeah. I think those are pretty legitimate points. Um, and I don't mean to step any in any larger conversation. They're just just throwing that out there. But um, but that yes, the succession question. did get the one. But but our friend Brian Cox did get to accept on behalf of the cast. Yeah, I, I saw his um his speech. But you know, I think when I was thinking about it, I was a little like want want you know like that that I kind of was like oh I'm surprised they didn't win more. But first of all, I had forgotten that they had the three nominations in that one category, and it was right. So like, there aren't supporting and lead categories that are just yeah distinction in TV, just in film. Um, so yeah, so they lumped three of the men together. So at that point, they kind of cancel each other out. Um, Potentially, yeah. They certainly only give one opportunity for any of them to win. But you know, I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I for for season three, I felt like they did deserve it more as an ensemble as opposed to singular performances but if there had to be a winner for singular performances i still say hands down season three it was kieran culkin's season and we agree Alyssa. i will have to tell her you said that um we we would agree wholeheartedly as particularly for this season yeah yeah season three was was kieran culkin i mean you know and she I think... was sitting next to jay smith cameron his on-screen Aww. dialogue partner shall i say <laughs> um, so they even got to kiss when they were celebrating the win Aww. all that stuff that that we eat up particularly when it comes to the two of them no he really had a bright shining season um, so we'll see what happens. Maybe come any time, we'll keep our fingers crossed. And I was wondering with uh, J. Smith Cameron, like her her part is not showy. So I don't – has she gotten nominated for anything for her role? Because she she's really things. wonderful. And I don't know that they've pushed her, but Alyssa and I – we talk about this a lot, clearly. Um, we think this year at the Emmys they should push Sarah Snook as lead mm-hmm. um, and then move J. Smith Cameron Smith, in as a supporting actress contender. Yeah, because she you know, really West is – West Wing played those games all the time and won, so – yeah, because she really is wonderful, and and I so, think she deserves so something. Terrific. It just feels like maybe the role isn't showy enough for the awards. You know what I mean? But I think in particular that sort of last, um, the the, the last or the next to last episode, sort of final yeah. moment. You know, the the where she's like, I thought she was just really remarkable. Um, so I would I would love to see her get some yeah. oh, kudos. Absolutely. I uh, y- yes. Uh, we we. 
totally agree. If you haven't watched Succession and you listen to us, uh, first of all, why? But um, do do catch up. If you haven't seen the third season, definitely dive in. Um, it's just some of the richest and most nuanced work across the board, writing and and acting wise. Because we're addition obsessed. To just the creative talent. It's it is the it is probably the worthiest obsession we have had in the last five years. Do they have like, you know how like they have like, what is it? When they do like the walking dead, they had that after whatever the fuck it was called. The talking dead does some sort of podcast dedicated to succession. Okay. I'm going to guess that they don't have, regular appearances from the cast i think it's like the new york times is kara swisher or someone moderates it um but but i would imagine maybe from time to time they get their actual cast talent to call in perhaps okay. i don't know i've i'm i'm obsessed enough with the show but i don't need to i, I don't need to hear anybody else's bullshit yeah, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> But we want you to listen to our bullshit. Yeah, our bullshit is gold. Yes. Yes. Our bullshit don't stank. Um, so yeah, so so we still love succession is the moral there. And I think Alyssa said pretty soon she heard they're getting ready to start s- season four shooting in May. Oh, so then we probably won't have a fall... Um, um, I think they might still have it ready for fall. It'll really? be sometime next year. I think it'll be sometime in the 22-23 season. And they seem to have been doing pretty well in the fall. So if I were them, I would uh, keep up with that. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like, I just feel like that feels so late. Yeah, I don't know what kind of turnaround they have for shows yeah, in, cause I f- in this current era. Because I feel like HBO, like, wants all the, like, all episodes delivered before it airs like you know how oh yeah network tv you you'll be filming you while get they're started airing. and then you keep going there yeah airing and you're writing this and you're filming this yeah yeah I, I feel like hbo wants it all in the can um before before shit airs hmm. i guess we'll see yeah yeah i don't know what their other big shows are so i don't know how they may end up being spaced out well like i know game of thrones was like they did that like they they weren't filming like the filming was done when it started airing but that was also like a lot of heavy editing and heavy yeah but still you know yeah i mean well i mean that was certainly far more elaborate than what succession takes so yeah, they can but... still get it in i don't know that's it's not a lot <sighs> yeah. of time to complete a season no and then have it ready for air so i don't know i don't know either anyway i'm gonna go to bed all right, those are those are the thoughts that keep Karen up at night. I know those are the yeah. So I can't think about it anymore. Else I'll never sleep. <laughs> so we will see you guys next week. And if there are any, uh, if there's anything in particular, certainly any movies in particular, uh, you want us to weigh in on during this movie month, let us know. Yeah, I won't watch any of them. Um, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> You'll be relying on Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Melrose Place for you people. Um, It's true. (laughs) All right. I'm going to bed. Good night. All right. You have a good night. You guys all have a good week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And we will see you on the boulevard in a week. Bye.